Hey, this is Britt Vargas, and I am the High School Ministry Associate Director at Calvary Community Church here in Westlake Village, California. And this is our HSM podcast. Thank you so much for checking us out today. I hope this encourages and inspires you. Here's today's message. Well, welcome to Calvary HSM at the 5 p.m. service for meeting for the first time. My name is Aaron Kajumba. serve here as a high school pastor, and we have been going through our series uh, called Between Two Advents. And what that means essentially is that the word Advent has the connotation, the weight of looking forward to, awaiting for, being excited for. And so we are in Advent in expectation of what Jesus is going to do when he returns. Between him coming, which was the first Advent, and his great and glorious return. And today specifically we're talking about what it means to have joy in the middle. To have joy in between two Advents. And I'm going to read a scripture for you guys from the book of Isaiah. Allow the scripture to be read over you. Listen to it. If you want to close your eyes, if you want to put something down, you can. Just wait. and Just listen to these words from the book of Isaiah. This is, again, the prophet Isaiah prophesying about what's going to happen when the Messiah comes, when Jesus comes, when the Savior comes. And he goes, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation, you increased its joy, and they rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. See, what God is doing here in this scripture is saying that there is a moment of increased joy amongst the nations for everyone. For people who are black, for people who are Asian, for people who are white, for people from all kinds of nations. This gospel is inviting everyone into it. And he says he has increased their joy, like the joy of the harvest. Now some of you guys, I would imagine, have farms, right? You guys have farms and harvest before? Oh, you don't? Okay, great. No worries. When a harvest time comes... Everyone is all hands in and everyone rejoices because you are eating the fruit of your labor. If you've ever planted a tree and eaten the fruit of an avocado tree, yes, it's a fruit, or the one of an apple tree, you're like, wow, this is amazing because you are eating the fruit of your labor. In this case, Christ himself, God has labored and we get to rejoice in what he's done. That's what this is about. The way we're able to wait in focus, to wait with hope, to wait with purpose for our next coming king is in view that God has given us great joy to push us through that season. See, Christmas, again, is a time of great joy. It's a time of huge joy. And in fact, Luke 2 is we're going to be today. If you have your Bibles, you can pull them up on your phone. If you want a physical Bible, we can get one of those to you. But in Luke chapter 2, we read in verse 8, it says, In the same region, what region? The region of Bethlehem. These are about six miles away from Jerusalem, so not too far from the capital city of Israel. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Now, who are these shepherds? Shepherds are considered to be outcasts. They are dirty people because if you're a shepherd, you're taking care of ah, sheep. Exactly. And sheep are the most dumb animals on the face of the planet. Don't at me. Don't act like I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to get that heat from you, right? But the point is this. They need constant help, constant watching over, and they're always taken care of. And so what happens is this. These shepherds, because of their uncleanliness, always being outside, aren't even able to go to 
the temple to worship on the Sabbath. So in their culture, they're considered outsiders. They're not considered people of, 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 of any level of importance. And so the first people that receive this grandeur are people who the world considers to be nothing. And I don't know where you guys are sitting in your life or where you think of yourself. You might be thinking, man, this is me. I, I don't feel like I have this self-worth. I don't feel like I am much, yet God sees you as much. He sees you as worthy. And he wants to give you the same joy that he gives these shepherds. It says in verse 9 through 10, And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them. And they were filled with great fear. Every time in the Bible when you see an angel interacting with people, fear, it's scary. This loud, booming voice and white light, like it's, it's, it's amazing, it's scary. But the angel follows up with this statement, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Good news of great joy for all the people. See, when the angels appear to these people, they're afraid. But this joy comes with a command to fear not. And for us, we can say this boldly, that joy then is a quiet confidence that God is who he says he is. There's always that one kid in your class who has this confidence in himself. He's quiet, doesn't get in all kinds of craziness, but he's like confident, chill. You don't want to scrap with that brother. You don't want to get in, into, like, not because he's scary, but he has a quiet confidence. What joy does for us is not give us quiet confidence just to fight the, the wars that are in front of us, but give us hope for the future. Joy is a quiet confidence in who God says he is. And then she talks about this good news. What is this good news? The word for good news in the Bible is evangelion. It's the gospel. This good news comes with an attachment of a human, the God-man, Jesus Christ. Joy literally is a person. Luke 2.10 says, the angel said to them, fear not, behold, again, good news of great joy for all the people. And then he goes on to say this uh, in Revelation 7, 9 through 10. And I'm, I don't have this on the screen, but I'm going to read this to you so you can hear it. It says this, that after this, and this is the end, when everything is bringing back to beginning, where God wants us all to receive this fullness of joy. He says this, after I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, all kinds of people. From every nation, from all tribes and people and languages, standing before the throne before the Lamb, clothed in white robes. So I'm sorry if you're like Donda, like you want to wear black, I'm sorry. It's all like white, okay? That's what it looks like in heaven. So just got to deal with it right, right now. Sorry. Managing expectations for heaven. Everyone's wearing white clothes. Standing before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, saying, salvation belongs to our God. Who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. One, this joy is for everyone for sure. For sure. This joy is for everyone. But this joy is also marked by the glory of God. It's marked for God. It's for God. And this joy is a person. I'm going to jump down to Luke 2, uh, 11. It says, for unto you this day, born in, the city, born in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Again, Jesus is the joy. Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is our joy. Joy is not just an emotion. It is a real feeling. You think about it. You feel it. But it's more than just a feeling. Joy is literally a person we can look to and hope for. He is our Savior and he is also our joy. Luke 2, 12 through 14. He says, and this will be a sign for you. 
Okay? This will be a sign for you. As you look for this joy, as you look for this purpose, it says, this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Meaning, whoever hears this gospel truth, whoever hears this word, if you're in this room and you're hearing the sound of my voice, God is pleased with you. He has given you a grace gift. And grace is what the Bible defines as giving you what you don't deserve, an opportunity to be saved from the wrath of God. Literally, God is saving you from himself because he's just and he must punish sin. And this is the beauty of the gospel, that when we have messed up, when we have chosen not to serve God, love him as for who he is, he says, but I will make a way. I'm just, I must punish sin, but he makes a way and gives us his only son. No extra, no backup son, no extra one on the bench to put in the game. Put me in, coach, no one else. He gives us his only son to save us. And that is a great joy for us, that God will consider giving his only son for us. That gives us great joy. Joy is a person. And like it says here, the angel said, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. See, the fact that God gives his son gives us great peace. Peace with God. Peace with God. We're no longer enemies of God. We're now friends. We're friends with God. Now, we say this boldly that then joy is rooted in the glory of God. Joy is rooted in the glory of God. Meaning, every single time you have a struggle, real issues. I'm not saying that these issues are not real. Real issues. And people will be like, from level 1 to 10... Losing my boyfriend is not an issue. It's an issue. It's hard, right? Not failing your test is hard. Being in an abusive relationship with a parent is difficult. Like these issues, when you, I'm pregnant, I don't know what to do. These are real issues. We have this hope in the joy of the gospel that God can redeem, that God can heal, that God can bring us back, that we have not gone too far. So what are five things that joy does for us? If you're a note-taking person, you love points, here we go. Here are the points. But from the scripture, we're not pulling out the side of my neck, right? This one says that joy, first of all, gives us hope. Joy gives us hope. Now, I don't know what team right now currently is winning in the NBA, but for the sake of throwing a name out there because we're near L.A., I'll say the Lakers. Are the Lakers winning? I don't know. Are the Lakers winning? I don't know. Okay, they're not winning. Sorry. What gives the Lakers fans hope for the next game? The fact that the Lakers have consistently won game after game after game after game. And even though your team might be suffering, you're like, dude, you know what? I have hope. Because I remember that, that same feeling when we won that championship back. And people who are real basketball heads will quote games back in the day before they were even born. And be like, we did it back then. We can do it again. We don't even have Kobe anymore. But we can still do it. Whose team was it? Shaq or Kobe? That's a whole other conversation. I'm not going to get into that. But because you have hope, the joy, you have that height of emotion, that truth, that trust, that this team can do what it's going to do. The same way you can have hope for a team. How much more can you have hope for God who has been faithful from the day you were born? He has given us joy and hope for the future. In Psalms 35, he says this, weeping may last through the night. But joy comes in the morning. Yes, through the night there is a tough 
season, but joy comes in the morning. See, the difference between us, a believer, and a person who is an unbeliever is this. That we, believers, our pain, our pain is tempered. It's tempered by hope. Meaning, how, how is it that a couple has their first baby and it dies in the hospital? And yet they can say, God, like, we trust you. Where does that come from? Where does that come from where people are going to other countries to preach the gospel and then get slaughtered? And as they're dying, being burnt at the stakes, are singing like songs to God. How can you have the confidence to go to your schools or go back to your homes or go back to your friends and live like Jesus? In that? What gives you that confidence to do exactly that? The hope of the future that you have of, of joy being fulfilled in Jesus. That's what happens. That joy then becomes our strength. It strengthens us. It emboldens us. In Nehemiah 8.10 says this. Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to our Lord and do not be grieved. Why? Do not be grieved. Yes, like this is, don't, don't be sad. Life is hard right now, but go, take a nap, pause, reflect. Like one of the most like sanctimonious and one of the most holy things, one of the most righteous things I can do personally is go take a nap. Literally, like go, go rest, go wait and ask God for wisdom. Come back and come back fresh. None of you guys are 100% trusting God when you're like super tired. If you're being honest, you're like, Maybe cussing people out, just don't do that. This is pull back, go take a nap, take a rest, take a chill pill for a minute. He says, wait, go eat, go rest. Why? Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. That joy will sustain you for the next situation that's going to come. Because the reality is, and you said you heard this, you've heard me say this many times, that life is hard, but God is good. And that's the reality of the time we live in. On this side of heaven, as we wait in this advent for his return. God has promised to be good to us, to give us joy, to sustain us through that time. This thing that happens next with joy is that joy gives us purpose. If you're wondering, how am I to live for the next day? How do I make decisions for tomorrow? How do you decide what school to go to? I know people are like, oh, that's in the Bible? Like when you're thinking about how, honoring your parents, that ties to that decision. What, what it means to literally like figure out what, what is my next step for the place I want to serve and to work. He says this to us, giving us purpose in Psalm 1611. You make known to me the paths of life. This is life. This has nothing to do with how long you pray, what book of the Bible you're supposed to read. Just the paths of life, making day-to-day decisions. Like what does it mean to be, there's this company that has a shirt that says that be kind. Like how do you know what you're supposed to live like? He gives an example because you've made known to me the paths of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy at your right hand, our pledges forevermore. Again, thinking that joy is as human, that became, that is God that, be, that became a human. What would Jesus do? There's this old acronym, what would Jesus do? WWJD, that kids in the 90s would wear all the time on their hands as wristbands. And the question is, what would Jesus do in this situation? What would he do? How would he live this out? He makes known to us the path of life. He gives us clarity and how to live. That gives me confidence for tomorrow. The next one is this. Luke 2, 17 through 18, we hear from these shepherds, their response to the gospel, their response to this great joy, their response to Jesus. And hopefully your response to Jesus in the middle of all your transitions in life. 
In Luke 2, 19 to 20, she says this. 17 through 18, I'm sorry. 17 through 18, it says this. Uh, sorry, 15 through 16, a little further than I thought. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. So they go, right? They hear the word and then they respond and they go. God has called all of us to go. And the reality of this time that we have here on earth is that this time of Advent, from the moment you're born to the moment you end up going back to be with God, is a time of expectation for him to come back for you. But there's a job for you to do. The Bible says in Ephesians, we've been saved unto good works. We've been saved to live on mission, on purpose. To live in joy, to live in hope, to live purposefully for what God has for us. And in the middle of this manger is where they find this joy. In the middle of the most unlikely circumstances. In the place where there is pressure. Like you might be thinking you have pressure going on in your life, right? And you're like, life is hard right now. Like this, this is a manger. And in the manger you have muck, like literally cow dung and straw. And it smells not the place you want to be having your baby, let alone your first child. No one here wants to have their baby in a manger. But in the most unlikely place, the most unlikely, like, space to have a child, you find Jesus. And you can trust in your circumstances, whatever you're going through. And in the middle of that, if you trust God, God will give you the joy to walk through that circumstance. 17 through 18, it says, when they saw it, the baby, speaking of Jesus, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. There were other people there. They, they, they saw Jesus, they worshipped, and they went and told all kinds of other people. Now, imagine a bunch of ragtag shepherds. Now, for us, think about homeless people coming to see Jesus. They've experienced who he is. They trust who he is. They've seen him. And they come to your house. Dude, the Savior is in the manger. You would kick me out if you saw me dressed like that, like a homeless person saying, God is here. The king of the, king of the world is here. Like, if I stood on the side of the street right now, looking like a homeless, saying exactly those words. You were like, that guy's crazy. But they were so compelled. But what they'd seen, they had to do something. They had to share that joy with someone. And they did. They did. Why? Because joy becomes our testimony. What God does for you in the in-between, what God does for you in the waiting, it becomes your testimony. Because if you're honest with yourself, you know your position. You know you can't do life without God. You cannot do what God has called you to apart from him. You cannot live this grace-filled life apart from grace himself. Joy becomes our testimony. And 19 through 20, a famous verse. It says, Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as he'd been told to them. They told everyone and praised God for the joy that God had given them. Like this is our response in the middle of turmoil, in our middle of our waiting, from the minute of our birth and even our new birth for you guys who accepted Christ. Is in the middle of all these things we have strength, we have purpose, we have zeal, we have an understanding of who we are and how we are to live. So what are the, the next steps for us? Or really what are you pondering on your heart? Because really what Mary did was 
she already knew what God had done for her. We talked about that in Mary's song. She writes a whole song responding to what God had done in her life. A heart of true worship. She glorifies God. She's thinking back of what God did for her people, crossing the Red Sea. She's thinking about all these things and she begins to sing. And now she's pondering. In my mind, I think she's pondering, like she says, that these things, she's pondering, who are these people who heard the gospel, who came and saw this baby and they're trusting. I think she's also honestly just doubting herself, like many of us sometimes doubt. Yes, you've seen the glory of God. Yes, you've heard these songs being worshipped. We've been singing about glory of God. Literally, the song is Gloria. Like literally, you've been singing about this this whole time. And yet some of us still doubt. And that's okay. In fact, the Bible talks about in Matthew 20 when the disciples were uh, on, on the mountain of ascension, when Jesus was going back into heaven, that it says the disciples came to worship, but some doubted. They literally see Jesus alive for 40 days. Like people who were dead were alive. He was teaching, eating, hanging out with them. Not in and out, but hanging out with them regardless, right? And they still doubted. They're watching him going to like go up. And the next verse says, Go out into all nations. Like he sends both the people who are full of faith and those who are doubting. Meaning God is not afraid of your doubts. And you might be in this room, you're doubting God's love for you. You might be doubting your position, whether even your, what, what it means to be a Christian. You might be saying, I'm just here because my parents are a Christian. God is saying, no, this joy that I'm giving for you is for you. It means I love you. Again, this joy is for those whom God has found pleasure with. God has found pleasure with you. And he wants you to receive that. What are you pondering in your heart? Or are you pondering on the other end? You know what? This might be real, but I'm going to take my chances. Now, there's a famous saying by the gambler, and I wish I could remember the quote, or the actual quote to actually quote the person. But if you're making a gamble on whether or not God is real, you are better gambling on the air or the side of saying that God is real than gambling that not. It's a better gamble. But what we have here is not just a gamble. There's literally like, like scripts and history that, that speaks of this Jesus, and these, this Jesus and these Christians who are changing the world, who are shaping the earth. This is what God wants us to do. Even through pain, Christians burning at stakes, lit on the sides of the roads like torches. Now, I'm not saying that's your future. I hope that doesn't come to that for you. But what sustains those kinds of people? The joy. The joy of the Lord is their strength. And that will sustain us as well. What are you pondering in your heart? So here's some next steps for you. If you're asking, this joy, we know what this joy does for us. How do I get this joy? How do I attain this joy? How do I, this joy you're talking about is sweet like honey. That's, that's what the Bible talks about this. The word of God, the love of God, the presence of God, the person of God is like that. How do I experience this? Aaron, you're talking like a madman about this thing. You're raving about it. How do I get it? How do I be a part of it? How do I eat of it? Step one, and this is it. Stop waiting and come to the Father. He has been waiting for you. He is ready for you. He has planned for you from eternity past. The Bible says that Jesus was the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the earth. Before you were even born, God had made a way for you. For you. That's special. That's unique. That's high level love. Like before I was even born, you were thinking about me. Like that's high level love. Stop waiting. Stop wallowing in your 
own pain, in your own ideas of what you think and who you think you are. He says, come to me. And this is not like a stop crying, come to me. No, he's gentle. He, the Bible says literally, he says this, like come to me all who are weary and heavy laden. That doesn't sound like a forceful calling. Like if life is hard for you, and he says, I'm going to carry that weight for you. I'll be like, thank you. That's what he's doing for us. He says, I want you to carry this alone. Come to me. In Psalm 1611, David, and this might be for a person who might say, I have lived a life that is horrible. Aaron, you don't know the things I've done. You don't know where I've been. You don't know me what mess I've been in the lies I've told. Psalm 1611, we see this guy, David. David has done the worst things in his life. David has killed a man so he can marry his wife. To hide that she's pregnant. Like, that's now another level upon, there's levels in this, okay? Like, if you thought the Bible didn't have telenovelas, you're wrong, all right? You need to read the whole book. Like, the whole book has all kinds of people. Got backbiting people in the church. You got people who be like, it's, it's crazy, right? This is what's happening in this book. And David, again, who's done all these crazy things, he goes and says, restore to me the joy of salvation. God, re remind me what it was when I first loved you. And in other words, in Revelation, bring it back to my first love. Give me the joy of that salvation. That might be for you who's trusted God but fallen away. God has promised to restore us the joy of salvation. And he goes, and I'll uphold you, uphold me with a willing spirit. God, give me the spirit to be willing. Strengthen my inner being. We talked about how you have, you have a soul, but you're really a spirit and you have a body. Strengthen my inner spirit, God, to be able to trust you, to walk with you, because I can't do it on my own. Two, remember God's goodness. Remember God's goodness. This also sounds like read your Bible. This sounds like spend time with God in the Word. This sounds like I'm going to be in a place where I can, what Brit is famously called, a thin space. Give me that chair, please. A, a thin space. Can I have that chair, please? Like, you've heard of Brit say this many times before. And I want you guys to see this, right? To be able to remember God's goodness. The most, one of the most awesome things you could actually do. Think about this. Is find the time to, like, think about what God has done in your life. Not many times do we actually take time to pause and to reflect. And say, God, like, what have you really done for me? Listen, what have you done for me? The Bible talks about, like, don't remember any of his benefits. Like, take time to pause and reflect. This is very healthy for you. Like, this is what the world would call taking a break and just, like, thinking. But it's deeply spiritual to say, God, like, wow, I didn't get in trouble for that. That was you because I know I was going to get busted. Like, oh, that test, I know I didn't study, but wow, that was really you. Like, that was really you. Mm. That that person on another level. So the fact that we're together, oh my gosh, like you, <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to say, like, every time I look at my wife, I'm like, God, what did you do? Like, why? I am, I am but flesh. Like, who am I? But this is what God does. This is what God does. And He asks us to be in the moment, to pause, to reflect, to think about what He has done for us, to rejoice in what He's done for us. Take time to do that. In Philippians, one, three through five. And you might say, oh, this sounds like read the Bible. This is what Paul says. Thank you. Let me put this back. Appreciate it. Is this. He says this. And this is Paul actually reflecting on 
the joy that he's received from other people. See, God also works through people. He works through humans. Yes, we're all knuckleheads, I know. I know. I'm the, I'm the chief of them all, trust me. There's things I do, I'm like, you're the pastor? I'm like, yes, I know. It's just the grace of God. I don't, I don't know how this all works out. God just does things, and I'm just here. Like, literally, right? It says this. Philippians 1, 3 through 5. Paul says, I thank my God for you every time I think of you. He is grateful and filled with joy every time he thinks of people. Now, for me personally, when I think about my team and I think about students and I think about people who are trusting God, I am filled with the same joy. This is a pastor's heart. This is a father's heart. He goes, I thank God for you every time I think of you and every time I pray for you all. I, what, what happens when I pray for you? I pray with joy. I pray with joy. I'm excited. God, thank you for what you're doing in this person's life. Thank you for this struggle you put in this person's life so they can trust you more. God, thank you for what you're doing. This is our response. I pray with joy because of the way in which you have helped me in the work of the gospel from the very first day until now. He's thankful for how they've been a part of his ministry and part of his life. I'm thankful for you. We're all thankful for you. We've been here 50 Sundays in a year. Right, there's 54 weeks, 50 Sundays in a year. And of those 50 Sundays, I know people are like trying to do the math. My gosh, where did this come from? Trust me. If you did the math, it's 50 Sundays, okay? 50 Sundays. And to see God's faithfulness in your lives is the greatest joy for us to see. Truly, it really is. And then the third one, and as the worship team comes up, don't carry this burden alone, right? Don't carry the burden alone. How do you attain this joy? One, stop waiting. Come to the Father. Two, remember the goodness of God, right? Look back. Think of what he's done. Journal. Read the Bible. Spend time with people. Third, don't carry the burden alone. What does this mean? This means this. Galatians 6, 2. The Bible talks about how we are to bear one another's burdens. By being together, by being intentional, by literally having love one for another. We cover each other's inadequacies because of love. He says, Galatians 6, 2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the love of Christ. The law of Christ. By, by literally being with, one another, being with one another and loving one another intentionally. We bear evidence of our relationship with Jesus. We show that we have this joy. Again, how do you do this? One. Stop waiting. Come to the Father. Two, remember the goodness of God. Three, like for us practically, this joining, this being together means, yes, come on a Sunday. Come to 11. Come to the 5. Come to both. Go to a small group. Come to FNL. Invite a friend. Come to winter camp. That's the most immediate next response. Like come to a space where you are with the people of God who are seeking the heart of God so you can... Be together and bear one another's burdens. My hope for you as you look at the end of this year, especially Christmas, looking at these gifts right here. See, Christmas, what happens is you're going to go shopping. Some of you guys will have no jobs. We're going to give you money to go shopping for other people. Some of you guys are going to give gifts from White Elephant Gift Exchange. Whatever you're going to do for your gifting to other people, that gift you give or the gift you receive is for that moment. Some of you guys won't fit in your Christmas clothes next year. Not because you're, go, like, you know, just, you're growing. Okay, cool. Right? Like, that's just what's going to happen, right? That's the reality. Pray for me. Pray for me, guys. Pray for me. Like, that's what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. Like, that gift becomes momentary. 
and it changes and shifts. But what, what God giving us in this joy, in this, this gift of Christmas, what God gave us as a Savior is an eternal gift that never runs out. Like you always have what you need in this joy because he defines your purpose for the next day. He gives you ideas for how to deal with hard situations. He gives you patience. He gives you strength for tomorrow. He gives you hope. And for us the greatest hope is to be with him in glory when he comes back. I would hope that in these 50 weeks you've heard us talk about this gift and not leave this gift on this stage. I've talked about it. JD's talked about it. Rich talked about it. Sophia's saying about it. Jacob's saying about it. All these people on this stage have talked about it. If you've hung out with us and played ping pong, you've seen it being played with every hand stroke. And when I decimate you at foosball, you've seen the love of God. I'm telling you, all these moments are literally soaked with the joy of God because we're living in the joy of God. I hope you've heard this, felt this, received this in every small group interaction, in every prayer. That this has become a reality for you. That this gift you've seen, you've, like, like you've, you've experienced it. But now the next step is for you to take this on. To take it on. To be serious about it. To do those last three things I said. Think about it. Be with him. Enjoy the joy of God. Rejoice in the joy of his salvation. By responding, by saying, Jesus, yes. I say yes to who you are. I say yes to what you're going to do. I have a quiet confidence in who you say you are to me and to my family and to those who are going to come from me. I trust you, Jesus. And if that's you tonight, you've made a decision, you're making a decision, you're hearing the sound of my voice, God has put his favor on you. You have an opportunity at our prayer wall to write that down, write down your name, write down your phone number, write down an email, write something down so we can reach out to you and contact you and walk you through this. Because this joy is for all people. It starts with you. And if you're a person who has already received this gift, man, this, this, is, this is amazing. There's next steps for you too. Come to winter camp. Be renewed in your strength. Like invite other people. Allow other people to see the glory of God, the joy of his people. To see the joy that you have in Jesus. Allow me to pray over you. Lord, I thank you for the joy that you give us, for the love that you give us, for the intentionality you give us for God. And Sending your only son for us to die, for, for, to, to die in our place, Lord. To give us freedom in you, to give us hope for tomorrow, to give us purpose for tomorrow. And even as we wait between these two Adventists, Lord, you've given us your Holy Spirit to strengthen us for the journey. Lord, I pray that as I was sharing this, Lord God, you are speaking to those who have never heard this, who have not even made a decision for you, that they will make a decision to trust you today. And for those who have trusted you already, Lord God, you will strengthen them for the journey ahead. You'll renew their strength, Lord. That you'll help them come to you with their weights and their troubles. Because you've promised to carry them for them. We thank you, Lord, that you're doing all these things for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's children say, amen. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this, don't forget to subscribe and also check out past episodes. For more content from Calvary HSM or to connect with us, visit us on Instagram at CalvaryHSM805. Go live and love like Jesus.